Staying red hot in the desert, the Seahawks get their fourth consecutive victory, beating the Arizona Cardinals today in Glendale 31-21. to Dallas Cooper and I are going to be breaking it all down in our latest postcast of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our weekly postcast. I'm not riding solo this time. Dallas Cooper, my co-host. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks coming up with another big win, their fourth consecutive victory. And it was a game that for a little while looked like it might be in doubt. But the Seahawks came back and had three straight scoring drives, touchdown drives at that, to close out the game and put away the Cardinals. Looking forward to breaking down that matchup here on our postcast. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Now for our lead story here on our Locked On Seahawks postcast, the Seahawks pulling off the season sweep of the Arizona Cardinals coming to Glendale, a place that hasn't always treated the Seahawks well, and putting together a complete victory, their fourth straight win. They're now 6-3, and three, still atop the NFC West. In fact, they got some help today with the Rams losing to the Buccaneers, 49ers being off able to create some separation within the division. And yet, Dallas, this was a game that, for a little while in the third quarter, it very much felt like it was slipping away and that maybe the Seahawks' good fortune was running out. And Geno Smith, he hasn't really had much adversity this year. And that changed in the third quarter with a pick six by linebacker Zayvon Collins. And even veteran quarterbacks like Geno Smith, often when plays happen like that, it can derail the rest of the game. But that did not happen. And the resiliency and the resolve we saw from this football team is really why they look like they are the real deal, that this is a contender and not a pretender at the midway point of the season. Geno Smith, what more could you ask for? A quarterback that throws a pick six, and as he said after the game in his post-game press conference, you can't hold it to anything. You got to move on to the next place, just like a touchdown. You tip your cap. That was a great play by Zavin Collins. It wasn't necessarily a terrible throw by Geno, but – it was just happened to be a great play by the Cardinals player, came back in the next following drives and did what he needed to do to lead the Seahawks team to W and further press their chances at being the number one team in the NFC West. Yeah, this is a huge win when you can sweep a division rival as the Seahawks just did by beating the Cardinals and the fashion that they did. And I mean, that is the way you want to finish a football game. And just to put it into perspective for our viewers, those of you on YouTube, the Seahawks, after that pick six, the Cardinals went up 14 to 10 midway through the third quarter. And after that point, the Seahawks, three straight drives where they scored touchdowns, 21 straight points. That is called finishing a game. And it's not just that they had touchdown drives. It's how they did it. First drive when Geno Smith comes right back after the pick six, 13 plays, 70 yards. Geno goes six for seven 
on that drive. The only incompletion he had almost ended up being his second pick. So got fortunate there, but otherwise was automatic, led the offense down, hits Tyler Lockett for a nine-yard touchdown. He had a third and 12 completion to Lockett that went for 14 yards. There was a roughness penalty that tacked on an additional 15. So he really was money. Then they come back, go 13 plays, 81 yards, and they extend the lead to 24 to 14 with Ken Walker the third punching it in from a yard out. And they scored again after the Cardinals clawed back within three, five plays, 80 yards. Noah Fant with a big play on that one, a 51-yard reception. When you were able to finish games that way, I don't know that there's any more satisfying way of uh, way to win football games than what the Seahawks just did here. Coming out and punching the Cardinals in the mouth, they really, for two and a half quarters, the offensive line struggled. They weren't able to run the ball. Ken Walker III had 31 rushing yards in the first half, and for them to come out, the resolve they showed as a team there, Gino, as Ryan Neal called him, being the heartbeat of the team, going out and leading them on not one, not two, but three touchdown drives, that really was a special finish. And we didn't see many finishes like that last year, just the way they were getting long extended drives and finishing them. Pete Carroll couldn't possibly ask for anything more from his football team. And they just look to be getting better each week. And that's scary for the rest of the league that they're six and three. And it looks like they are still getting better every week. Uh, you just can't ask for a better win the way that they finished this one off. Those slow and methodical drives after that pick six are absolutely demoralizing to a defense. Really the Cardinals, are. the Cardinals defense, you could literally see them tap out into submission over and over as Ken Walker was just repeatedly getting eight, nine yards on every carry. He's the second leading rusher in the fourth quarter in the entire NFL. The Seahawks have a recipe. They are brutally tapping defenses into submission. And by the fourth quarter, none of these defenses want to get up into the run fits. It's tougher to get off your blocks. It's tougher to come up and tackle Ken Walker, who's 225 with 4'3 speed. It's a lot harder it is in the fourth quarter than it is in the first quarter. And the Cardinals, they just couldn't do it. And the Seahawks kept battling and showed that resiliency, as you said, and just led this team and got the W. Yeah, and I think it's noteworthy the way that they got it done. You know, asked Pete Carroll about this after the game. Seeing his offensive line, it's just like a light switch turned on middle of the third quarter. And Gino even mentioned this, you know, after the pick six, the whole team seemed to wake up. That was kind of that wake up call for him. We're going to lose this game if we don't figure things out and pick up our game. And the offensive line really paved the way there with how they suddenly started to get pushed. They weren't getting any push along the offensive line, running the football. They gave up two sacks on the first drive of the second half and pass protection started breaking down. They quickly got that cleaned up. So really the offensive line, that was maybe the most impressive thing about all this. Seeing Geno's resiliency and bouncing back from adversity, certainly that is a big storyline. But how that offensive line played down the stretch, and they really were imposing their will. And as you mentioned, it's demoralizing for a defense. And Arizona played really well for two and a half quarters defensively. Everything started to unravel, though, when they got worn down and the Seahawks really put the pedal to the metal. They were sharks sensing blood in the water, and they took advantage of it. So it was really fun to watch that complete victory, especially the way that the Seahawks were able to finish this game emphatically. And, and I saw some people tweeting this. It's almost like they took the Cardinals' soul in that final quarter and a half, just the way that they were going down methodically and scoring seven points. They were four for four in the red zone, a huge difference from their victory over the Cardinals in week six, where they were one for five in the red zone. So a lot of really exciting improvements in this game. It's hard to beat the same team twice, and the Seahawks took care of business and got it done. 
Up next, Dallas and I are going to dish out our game balls. We work together rather than us just picking one apiece. We dished out our collective game balls. We're going to get to those here in a moment on offense, defense, and special teams here on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. We're nearly halfway through the NFL season with week nine currently underway. I've got Patrick Mahomes dicing up the Titans for 350 passing yards. That might not seem like a bold leap for the former MVP, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks lets you do projections on any sport you can watch. That could be the NFL, NBA. MLB, NHL, college football, even disc golf. And entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. And it's currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to our weekly postcast here on Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Dallas Cooper. The Seahawks getting a huge win in the desert, 31-21 over the Cardinals, completing the season sweep against their division rivals and improving to 6-3 and three on the season. Now one and a half games up on the 49ers, two full games up on the Rams. Life's looking pretty good for the Seahawks after nine weeks of the season as they get ready to face the Buccaneers next week in Munich. Dallas, let's get to our game balls. And I'm going to let you take the reins here on offense because we were in full agreement on this. I don't know that I would have picked this player midway through the third quarter, but as we just talked about, the tide really changed in large part because of the hammer that is Ken Walker the third. As I said prior, the second best fourth quarter rusher in the NFL, averaging over seven yards per carry in the fourth quarter. This game, he relentlessly picked up extra yardage every single carry. The Cardinals were just struggling to hold him down. And what is even scarier to think about after his 26 rushes, 109 yards, and two touchdowns is that Ken Walker III isn't even close to as good as he can be. We saw how many times that sometimes he tries to go to the edge a little too much, and he tries to get too wide and instead of going north and south and just taking what he can get. But... Even with that, he still dominated. And as you said, the offensive line mauled the Carlin's defensive line in the fourth quarter. It was so apparent. Those defensive line were huffing and puffing, and they did not want to be on those run fits. They didn't want to have to block shed. It wasn't there for them. They weren't stacking on their blocks. And Ken Walker took full advantage of that. Yeah, this really was an impressive matchup for Ken Walker III. When you look at the way things started in the game, 31 rushing yards in the first half. The Cardinals had him pretty well bottled up, and this is after a really rough week against the Giants last week. He had the touchdown late, but had less than three yards per carry. It seemed like they were kind of in a rut getting their run game going. And you mentioned sometimes that Walker likes to bounce outside or he tries to get too much, too cute with his dancing. And I think you have to kind of, it's a take it or leave it type proposition because he can make so many magical things happen with the football in his hands, making guys miss. And you start to see that late in the game that defenders were starting to make some business decisions because this guy runs with power. He runs with finesse. He can do a little bit of everything. And he was starting to wiggle around defenders. Those plays weren't happening early in the game but the Cardinals were really struggling late with 
those long, lengthy possessions, it really started to wear down that front seven. And Ken Walker III took advantage of it. 109 rushing yards, almost 80 of those coming after halftime on 19 carries. He had 26 carries. He's proving that he is a workhorse. And that's really the big thing for the Seahawks. They haven't had that guy really since Chris Carson. And Chris Carson's injuries held him back in that regard. This is a guy that can really be a 20-plus carry a game workload running back and that's a huge deal for the Seahawks and he was able to go out there put the finishing touches Cardinals did not want to tackle him so you and I were in agreement he's got to be the offensive uh, player of the game now going to defense I think you and I were in similar agreement on this I did think about Bruce Irvin and Ryan Neal Ryan Neal had a couple big plays including forcing a fumble in this game it would have been his second time in three weeks getting a game ball in the podcast but uh, I'm going to go with the guy that currently leads the team now this will be his fourth game ball on defense and that is Chenna Nwosu, what a performance that he had rushing off the edge, four tackles, two sacks, really was a thorn in Kyler Murray's side. And, and I think what gets lost in these stats, Dallas, if you were watching the game closely in the first half, the Seahawks didn't have a single sack. They had one quarterback hit. And they let Kyler Murray escape like the magician that he is. Several times was able to get out of the pocket. Nuosu was in on a couple of those where he had Murray dead to right. He couldn't get him down. At the second half, though, that changed. He's able to finish two of those at a couple of other pressures in this game. And he continues to be a revelation. I think the Seahawks thought he was going to be a good free agent addition. But he's now got seven sacks on the season. And he's just getting the job done. He's playing well against the run as well. So, Kudos to the Seahawks and John Schneider for the signing, but this kid continues to get better each week. And now he's among the league leaders in sacks. So hasn't just been somebody that's been generating pressures. He's finishing as well. Didn't do it in the first half, but bounced back was a key part of them shutting the Cardinals down to just seven points offensively in the final two quarters. As you said, no one that saw the signing of Nuosu to Seattle could have expected anything like this. Everyone thought this was a good signing for a young pass rusher who's generated good pressure percentages and was a good run stopper. But to have seven sacks going into week going into week ten, that's amazing. Chenna Nwosu is proving his dominance, and especially with some turmoil on the other side with Boya Mafe, Daryl Taylor, especially earlier in the season, it's been a real revelation for the Seahawks defense to be able to lean on their other edge and Chenna Nwosu. And he's really stepped up in becoming a leader for that defense and someone for the younger the younger players to look towards. Yeah, and I think if we shift to the special teams, you just mentioned young players. And, you know, Jason Myers has been the perennial game ball winner on special teams. And Michael Dixon's gotten it a couple times. And they've had a few other players. Last week, Will Disley got special teams player of the NFC, player of the week with a fumble recovery and a forced fumble. Let's give some love to number 83. Derek Young. I thought he had a fantastic game of special teams. Now, on offense, he had an offensive pass interference penalty that wiped out a screenplay. That was kind of a tic-tac call, and those are difficult because you don't know when the ball is going to get let go and you have to go block people. So we can give him a little bit of a pass on that, but I thought he was fantastic on special teams, and he gets his first game ball as a Seahawk. He had a really nice tackle in the first half on punt coverage where he was able to fly in and trip up. I believe it was Greg Dorch that was returning the kicks for the Cardinals, and he tripped him up. 
no gain on the play. And Travis Homer, after the trip up came in and delivered a huge hit on him. So I would start to think we might see another forced fumble. That didn't happen. But he seems like he's first one down there all the time, along with Joey Blunt, who did not play in this game. Seeing these rookies fly down the field and make plays on special teams is a big deal. And really the biggest play that he made in this game they pinned the Cardinals inside the five-yard line, and Young was actually on his back laying right next to the goal line and managed to alertly hit the football as it was bouncing towards him, stop it from going over the goal line, batted it back to the three-yard line, and they pinned the Cardinals deep. Eventually, they forced a punt on that drive as well. So th this kid is coming up with big plays. He's not getting the opportunities yet on offense, but it feels like those chances are going to come his way if he keeps coming through with big plays and special teams like he did today. As you said, Pete Carroll, as we all know as Seahawks fans, big thing with him is special teams. With your opportunities on special teams, you need to take advantage. And downing Michael Dixon's punt at the three-yard line from the gunner spot, then making that huge tackle on Greg Dortch for the Cardinals. As you said, I thought we would have had another force fumble, and there might have been another force fumble even earlier by another rookie, but maybe we'll get to that later. But Derek Young, with his opportunities on special teams, this is what you need from young players to capitalize on their limited opportunities. And as you said, this could maybe project himself into being more involved in the offense during the second half of the season. Yeah, and I think we're already starting to see that. Now, Marquise Goodwin being out today certainly played a factor. But, I mean, they're giving this kid snaps. He played some fullback for them a few snaps last week against the Giants. He does have a running back background at Lenore Ryan. And when you're a D2 player trying to make it in the NFL in a seventh-round pick, you know, you get a scratch and claw in order to get snaps. And this kid is certainly doing that. And Pete Carroll has talked about his football IQ, how smart of a player he is. I mean, the guy's got an engineering degree. He should be a brainiac on this football team, but you can see it on the field. He's making really astute plays on special teams. And so again, he is carving out a potential role on offense down the line because he's doing all the right things with the opportunities he has in that third phase. He's getting more chances. And I think he's going to continue to find ways to get onto the field because he can block. Yeah. He's a guy of the catch we haven't got to see him do any of that he hasn't gotten a target yet this year as a rookie but that could be coming and he deserves a lot of kudos because i thought those two plays today on special teams were big ones that maybe you're not going to notice on the box score especially the tackle the one special teams tackle if you didn't see the play you don't know how important it was but that really sets the tone for the defense when you come down the field and you trip up a guy like that the way that Drake young did for no gain it fires up the sidelines and the seahawks feed off those special teams plays so really big game for Drake young probably the best game he's had in the nfl so far and he's hoping he can turn that into some more opportunities on special teams and maybe offense moving into the second half of his rookie season up next we're going to get to our weekly three up three down it's going to be very similar to last week when you have a complete team victory like the seahawks just did in arizona it's tough to look at players that might be on the three down spectrum so we're going to be looking three up on offense and defense breaking down some other big performances from today's victory we'll get to those coming up next year on our postcast edition of locked on seahawks this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of a new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. 
the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, is to go to their website or use your mobile device to learn more. Again, that's betonline.net, where the game starts. You're listening to our weekly postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Join me for today's show. I'm not riding solo. I've got my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. In this case, six days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks improving their standing in the NFC West. They came into week nine as a five and three first place team in the NFC West. They're now six and three with a 31-21 victory over the Cardinals, completing their season sweep today at State Farm Stadium. Dallas, we're going to do this a little differently. I actually did it this way last week. When your team's playing really good football, it's hard to find guys to put on three down. We're looking at Stockwatch. There were a few guys that maybe could have had a little better games today, but this was a complete team win. So we're going to do three up on offense, three up on defense. I'm going to swing it over to you to start on the offensive side of the football. Who gets your first nod here on our three up segment? Three up? No offense. Noah Fant was absolutely huge in this game. Five catches for 96 yards and 51 yards on a bootleg showing off that athleticism. That's why he was traded for. That is why Noah Fant was brought to this team. This is what Seahawks fans want to see. This is what Pete Carroll and the coaching staff have wanted to see. Let his athleticism take shape. 6'4", 2'4", or probably 260, running 4'5". That's rare. He might not be have the best hands, but you let him get the ball into space and make something happen after the catch, and no fan can show you something special, and he did today. Yeah, he came through clutch in the first half. He had a couple of really nice third-down catches that – moved the chains and then of course you mentioned that 51 yard play that really was the backbreaker because at that point the Seahawks they're up 24 to 21 and for them to come out and be that aggressive you know I think everybody in the stadium thought they were just going to turn a hand it to Ken Walker the third and they run the bootleg action they throw it over to Fant and then he does a smart thing stays in bounds He's missed by Zayvon Collins, the one who intercepted Smith earlier, missed the tackle on the sidelines, and he's off to the races. We get to see that speed, and we haven't seen that necessarily during the early stages of the season. They haven't created a lot of opportunities where he can do that. Most of his catches have been in uh, contested areas. So that was a bit of a changeup. We finally get to see that athleticism. He was one of six receivers today, Dallas, to have three catches and at least 20 receiving yards. Talk about distributing the football. Geno Smith is getting it done. And that's why I'm going to lead right in to number seven for my second thing. And I know we've been talking MVP with Geno Smith, and I think he's still very much in that race. I don't think the pick six is going to change that. When you look at the rest of the numbers, he completed 76.5% of his passes today. 275 yards, almost got to the 300-yard mark, two touchdowns. And we talked about the first quarter, just the resiliency, whether it's a young quarterback or a veteran quarterback. Jim Smith does not have a ton of game experience when you think about it. The last seven years, he's been a backup and hasn't played very much. He started his first two years with the Jets, but there's still not a lot of game experience. But for him to come back the way that he did, quickly shake off that interception and get right back to work, Hey, it's on me, guys. Let's move forward. Go out there and complete six out of seven passes on the next drive and throw a touchdown. I mean, that is – you can't do it any better. 
that was a perfect bounce back for the Seahawks. And the rest of the team followed suit, and they believed he was going to do that anyway. They have bought into Geno Smith. And so you look at the numbers. He's he's already put up, I believe he now is at 15 touchdown passes for the year. He still only has four interceptions. His completion rate is actually going to go up for the season after this. And he was one of the five highest completion percentages after eight games in NFL history already going into this week. So Gino is continuing to get it done. There were a few throws that he would have liked to have back in this game, that pick six. There was a couple others that could have been picked. But, I mean, like he said, every other team's got talented players. You're going to have plays like that. And so I think Gino absolutely has to be on the short list. Gino Smith, what else can we say at this point? He's operating on a different level. The processing by which he's going through and quarterbacking is literally teaching tape. Over 76%. That's insane. That's unheard of. And he's upping his percentage, which is already, as you said, top five in NFL history. That just shows you how dominant Geno Smith has been in the drop back passing game. And even with today and with his struggles a little bit early in the game, that resiliency, as you said, the Cardinals aren't exactly an easy defense to quarterback against. They use a lot of exotic blitzes. They like to blitz with different personnel, bringing it at different angles, maybe overloading a side. And Gino, yes, it was tough in the beginning. But as you said, showed that resiliency and led those drives 13 plays for 70 yards, 13 plays for 81 yards, and then five plays for 80 yards. He put the backbreaker in the Cardinals, and the Cardinals couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss not to mention his legs, too. He had the big 18-yard run and 12-yard run on the second of those three touchdown drives. And so he's continuing to get it done with his legs as well. And I think last but not least, when we're talking on the offensive side of the football for our three up, we got to go with the steady standby on the outside, Tyler Lockett. And I know there were some fans that were crying about a play, I believe it was third and 14 or third and 15, and he had an opportunity to maybe get the first down, but he got down two yards short and the Seahawks had to punt. But I think he more than got back for that play. He led the team, didn't quite get to 70 receiving yards of the day, but 67 receiving yards, had several clutch catches, that third and 12 uh, reception that he had that went for 14 on Seattle's uh, first scoring drive of those three that they had back to back to back in the second half. He just, he's always been that way for him to consistently come up with those clutch catches. And he looked a lot healthier to me today. He was running around well. We know he's been dealing with hamstring and oblique injuries, but he looked healthy at getting the touchdown second straight week that he's had a touchdown. He didn't have a big drop this week like he had last week. I thought it was one of Lockett's better games, even if it doesn't show statistically. And oh, by the way, he tied Doug Baldwin today for touchdown receptions in Seahawks history, a player he played with for his first four seasons in the league and obviously a mentor and idol. Being able to join that exclusive company is a big deal. Let's go to the defensive side of the football now, Dallas. Talking three up, obviously a number of players standing out. They did a nice job holding the Cardinals down offensively again in this game. Gave up a couple touchdown drives, but otherwise it was still a very solid effort by Clint Hurts' defense. Who gets the first nod here on three up? Tariq Woolen held DeAndre Hopkins in check and then also got a pass break up there. Tariq Woolen was huge in limiting the Cardinals' drop-back passing game. As we know, Cliff Kingsbury is very creative with his formations and his stress that he puts on zone defenders, and Tariq Woolen did great today. Keeping Hopkins in check, and Hopkins is, ever since he's been back, 
has absolutely dominated, especially being the single on the single side of trips receiver sets. And oftentimes, Woolen is on that side. And Woolen did a great job today keeping him in check and making sure he didn't do nothing, especially with the deep game. Yeah, I think Woolen is certainly a player worth mentioning here. We're talking about the, that pass breakup against Hopkins. You could see the 4-2-6 speed and the 34-inch arms. I mean, that makes it a little easier, but for him to stick his cleat in the turf and then be able to undercut that dig route and make the pass breakup, I thought he did a really nice job watching the game, watching closely. Kyler Murray did not target him very many times. Now, he did give up a touchdown late to Zach Ertz. That was kind of a tricky situation with the coverage that they were in, but I'm not going to knock him for that. I still thought that number 27 played a really good game. He blew up a screen play in the backfield, had a couple other nice tackles, so he continues to play at a high level, and you can just see how much quarterbacks respect him because even with Hopkins back, Kyler Murray was not testing him very much. He did not go that direction very often. And so Tariq Woolen, he's been noticed. The rest of the league has taken notice of what he is doing. I want to go up to the trenches for my first pick on this. And Shelby Harris has been a player that I've mentioned. In fact, he was my X-Factor selection this week. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back on that one. But Shelby Harris goes out today, four tackles and a sack. What can you say about the way that he's playing He's been getting a sack seemingly every week during this win streak. He's given them major uh, contributions as a pass rusher. I think he's been a key contributor in the run defense holding up. Kyler Murray got he, he got loose a few times today on scrambles. That's not going to be something that's going to be pinned on your interior defenders, though. Traditional run plays, they're doing a great job in the middle now, playing more of an attacking style. Shelby Harris is getting the job done. And I just think more than anything, beyond the stats, what he's bringing this team from an energy perspective every week, the entire rest of the defense is feeding off that. This is one of those guys that plays the game with a lot of fun, a lot of passion, and great energy, and it's infectious, and you can just see it on the field. When he had that sack today in the second half on Kyler Murray, that was one of those plays that really got the sideline rolling, and you can just tell that he's popular in the locker room, a great personality on top of it. He's playing really good football, and him and Noah Fant, just making that Russell Wilson trade look even better so far through nine weeks. What can we say about Shelby Harris? Coming onto this team from the Denver Broncos, what I heard about him was good pass rusher, great leader in the locker room, and he's done exactly that for the Seahawks. You can tell that the young guys feed off him, and not even just the young guys, everyone on the defense feeds off of Shelby Harris's energy. He seems to be like the uncle to everyone on the defense. He's a lot older than a lot of other of them. And he seems to be the one they look to look towards when stuff is not going right. Maybe when stuff is not going right, and he's the one that has to bring the energy and kind of cheer them up. And you can tell they feed off of that. It's kind of like how Ken Walker and Geno Smith have become the, the lifeline of the offense. Shelby Harris, I feel, has become the lifeline of the defense for them. I think you can make an argument for Shelby Harris and Ryan Neal as the spark plugs of this defense, just for different reasons. I think that Shelby Harris is that spark plug on the defensive line, and Ryan Neal has become that spark plug in the secondary. And I mentioned this last week. I think he's been playing like an all-pro the last few weeks, and he continued to come up with crucial plays. The Cardinals were down 10-7 to inside two minutes to play in the second half, and they had an opportunity to get at least three points. Kyler Murray escaped the pocket, one of those patented rushes up the middle. It was a parting of the seas. There's no spy looking for him, and Ryan Neal was in his hook uh, responsibility and coverage, comes up from behind, and it was deja vu. This is just like Kobe Bryant in week six, punching the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands because he still has not learned how to properly hold a football. The Seahawks know that. 
punches the ball out from behind. Josh Jones, their third safety, recovers it. He's really fit into that role as a situational safety. The Seahawks hold them to no points. They send him back to the sideline, and it's 10-7 to 7 at half. That was a huge sequence of events that gave the Seahawks extra momentum going to the half, especially with the Cardinals having the ball to open up the second half. And this guy just week in, week out, he is making game-changing plays. And I don't want to say that he's making them forget Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams is still missing this defense. It would be really fun to see what they'd be doing right now with both those guys working on the field together with Quandre Diggs. But he's doing a really nice job. He's taken a big leap forward in his third season here with the Seahawks. And he now has proven he is not just a replacement. This guy is a legitimate starting caliber safety, and he's making huge plays for this football team. Ryan Neal is the real deal. He plays so instinctive. It's so confident. You, you can feel the confidence every week just growing with him. The way he's attacking, reading his keys so much quicker. He's attacking on those underneath balls, not worried about getting beat deep because he trusts his eyes more, especially in his zone responsibilities. And as you said, punching that ball out to thwart the Cardinals as they're going into the half. If the Cardinals get maybe a field goal or a touchdown, let's say they, they take the lead on that and they're up 14 to 10, what happens next? The pick six. Now Seattle's down by two possessions. This cha- That changed the game a lot. And the momentum of the game really kept staying on Seattle's side, threw it up the first half, and allowed them to just hold the lead and just take everything into the half and just calm down. Whether you subscribe to the idea that momentum is real or not, I know there's been a big debate out there. I per- I think it exists, exists from my time playing sports. I absolutely think momentum is a real deal. That is a sequence of plays that really does change the outlook going into the second half. Not that it completely deflated the Cardinals, but it did to an extent. I mean, when you are in a position to get at least three points there and tie the game, and suddenly that is gone because of that fumble, that was a deflating turnover for the Cardinals, and it really lifted the Seahawks there and finished up what ended up being a really strong half of football on the defensive side for the Seahawks. So Ryan Neal, he's becoming a regular on three up. He's a regular with our game balls as well. He is having a heck of a season replacing Jamal Adams, and that's been a big part of the Seahawks' defensive resurgence that has fueled this four-game winning streak to get to the top of the NFC West. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Hooper, check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, I'll be rejoined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We'll be looking at some Monday musings, some in-depth takeaways from today's victory over the Cardinals, and we'll have a mailbag segment as well. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Go Hawks.